I'm just imagining Eric Carlson seeing how far he can push this. And he's like, first of all, you're going to give me $10 million a year for seven years. Second of all, I want a majority stake in Big Rig. <laughs> <laughs> do you think though? Do you think at that point Pierre Dorian goes up to Chris Phillips and goes, "Sorry, Philly, you got to take yep. the L on this one." Yeah, it's you, like you have to. It's like remember how we did a favor for you. Yeah. Well, listen, you need to put pickled herring on your menu, <laughs> right? You need, like, no offense, but we need to get that in there. Yeah. You dyed it in red. Remember Todd White? Where did Eric Carlson? Eat? last night It doesn't matter if you ask It's the Chet and Luke Podcast Good day, ladies and gentlemen and welcome to episode Volchenkov of the Chet Sellers and Luke Peristi Podcast. I'm Luke and I'm joined as always by the front man for the Ottawa Senators related 1980s parody band Milan Milan. It's Chet Sellers. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm quite good. Pleasure to be here. Uh, well, you know, love the show. It's 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 very mutual. So, oh, thank you. How are you feeling about your Ottawa Senators? Oh, let's get right into it. I feel pretty good about the Ottawa Senators, although there's all there's already. <laughs> A big butt. Yep. Right here in the middle of this podcast. Chet Sellers bringing the big good butt right to this <laughs> podcast. So the Senators are three and two, right? Mm -hmm. The two games that they have lost are on back-to-backs. Schedule losses. Schedule losses against mm -hmm. two reasonably good teams, the Montreal Canadiens and the Pittsburgh. Exactly. Canadians. You could have looked at that early, like before the season even started, and just penciled those in as an L to begin with. So they have beaten the three teams they probably should have beaten, which yes. are the Buffalo Sabres, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the Columbus Blue Jackets. They have. Right? And they beat those teams pretty... Well, I would say <laughs> that Toronto loss would be a little bit. Uh, that was that was the hardest way to win a 3-0 game that, you could yeah, possibly win. I didn't actually watch that game, but I it was weird to you know check my phone and be like, ah, 3 nothing. Looks like we've got this. Hack the bone. Yeah, well, what, I, then, liked, what I liked about that game was it's like, okay, we're up 3 nothing. Then we're going to tie it, take the lead, blow it, go to overtime, take a penalty, kill off a 4-on-3 in overtime for two minutes, go to the shootout, go down in the shootout. <laughs> win on the last shot of the shootout. The game we should have won two hours ago. Yeah. That's what I liked about that Leafs game. The point is they won that Leafs game. Correct. You know what? When it comes down, when it's April and it's late in the season, people aren't going to look at the style at which you got the two points. They're right. just going to care that you got those two they points. They don't ask how. They just ask how many. Mm -hmm. So then you can look at the individual stats and you can say, oh my God, Kyle Turris is on pace for a 120-point season. Is that good? I think that's pretty good. That's yeah, pretty decent. I think that's pretty good. I mean, Kyle Turris could have 200 points this year, and people would be like, not an elite center, though. He, right. <laughs> he doesn't. He's not as tall as Jason Spezza was. Yeah. So, Turris is scoring. Carlson leads, like, the league in points, or is pretty close, right? Not, <laughs> not going to repeat his Norris Trophy, though. No, not, of course not. No. Not with that defense. This is Drew Doughty's year. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, he's scoring. Hoffman scoring. Stone scoring. Bobby Ryan has four points in five games. Mika Zibanejad is like 10th in league scoring. Like, all of that is good. But the Senators are getting badly outshot in every game. And you'd say that the MVP of the Ottawa Senators is Craig Anderson. <laughs> the MVP every year is Craig Anderson. Yeah, that, that guy keeps us in it. So what I find interesting is that in past years, think about last year, right? Mm -hmm. 
Last year, the Senators come out of the gate. They're getting badly outshot. Paul McClain is doing everything he can to try to stir something up, keep the team going. He's changing the lines around. He's putting Chris Neal in the top six. He's putting Zach Smith on the power play. <laughs> Chris, Chris Neal as the extra attacker is probably peak <laughs> Paul McClain in terms of, are you nuts? My point is this. I come not to praise Paul McClain, but just to say this, right? Which is that Paul McClain was like, we're getting badly outshot. We need to do something. I'm mixing up all the lines. I'm putting the lines in a blender. I'm doing stuff, trying to figure it out. And Paul McClain got killed last year when the Senators were getting outshot for mm-hmm. not playing Patrick Weirkosh, for putting Chris Neal on as the extra attacker, for mixing up the lines when he should have been trying to find stability, yada, 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 right? Senators are getting badly outshot again this year. And Dave Cameron, at least five games in, has sort of said, let's not reinvent the wheel here. Steady as she goes, let's make sure that we can kind of keep our lines together. That we're, he's, not, he's not putting the lines in a blender after five games. Yeah, like, and I see people on Twitter being like, Dave Cameron, why are you not mixing up the lines? And I'm like, that's exactly what you killed Paul McClain for last year. Like, you hated Paul McClain for mixing up the lines. And now Dave Cameron's sort of like, yeah, I'm going to keep Hoffman, Stone, and Turris together. Because they're scoring a hundred points a game. And people are just like, Hoffman, gotta put him on the second line, bro. Come on. <laughs> Mike Hoffman's just magic. Like he's like a medic. He just he just goes to wherever there's trouble, <laughs> fixes it, and then moves on to the next thing. One thing I, I do think that they are going into a stretch of games that they should win all of them. Yes, like they're I playing agree. the Devils and Coyotes this week. The schedule wins. Right they there. should beat <laughs> both home. of those teams. In fact, they get four days off before they have to play the Devils, which in a way is almost like the league saying, "We know you're going to beat the Devils. We'll give you some extra time just to see if you get it." in your own head about mm-hmm. it, right? Yeah. Because there's no way you're otherwise not going to beat the Devils. So. Yeah, the NHL is icing the kicker but, on that game. Like, <laughs> like, big time out. Think about the magnitude of what you're But they need to... I mean, I think what will happen with the Senators is, ideally at least, they will rip off a lot of wins in October and hopefully November because December is going to be brutal, right? And mm-hmm. December is going to bring them back to even. So they need like all of the cheap wins that they can scrape together in October and November. They need to do that now. My big hope for this year in particular is that Ottawa comes out and just dummies bad teams. Yes. Like, I'm tired of this scraping by 3-2 against Buffalo nonsense. But I want more of this putting up a seven spot on Columbus sort of thing, you know? I want us to be like, look, we're not, we may not be the best team in the league, but by God, we can take it to the New Jerseys of this But league. that is the mark of a playoff team, mm-hmm. right? You don't necessarily beat the good teams every night, but you take care of business against the bad teams, yeah. right? You pick up those points, and that's what the Senators need to do. That was what was so exciting for me about the Columbus game, because I could be wrong, but it feels like it had been five ever since the Senators had, like, gone in there and truly blown someone out. Right. They and still got outshot, though. Talk like scoreboard, man. Like... <laughs> Scoreboard. Sustainability. Scoreboard. Sustainability. Scoreboard. All right. <laughs> you win. <laughs> well, that's the, that's exactly the point. Yeah. The senator, again, like the senator's getting outshot, getting outcoursed, getting outplayed, what have you. That's only a problem if they don't fix it. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, a like, long-term you, you problem. Can't, like, you can't look in the past at right. games they've won and right. be like, that's a problem. You're no, it's not. In, they won. You're living in the moment. You're picking up your fiddle. You're ignoring yeah. the smell of smoke. But no, I... Do I want the Senators to get outshot game in and game out? 
No, but if that's they a, win, that's a bold position. But if they win, don't really care. <laughs> like there's there's no moral victory. Like if they if they outshoot the team forty to twenty and lose two one, that doesn't make me feel good. So as a as someone who enjoys it when the Senators win, and yeah, as a second order condition, is only concerned if it's sustainable. Jo- Sounds I am Jerry Jones esque. I just win, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and also, your plastic surgery is hideous. Um, as someone who values winning over sustainability it sounds like your favorite player should be andrew hammond <laughs> well of course like <laughs> <laughs> like when is andrew hammond gonna play because he's apparently healthy now i figured he'd start against penguins on the back-to-back and they put craig anderson in there two nights in a row but we need to have the mysterious craig anderson injury of the year at some point what is the non-hockey related random craig anderson injury this year maybe like a vespa falls on his ankle <laughs> like <laughs> I think it's going to be more pedestrian than that. I don't know what day his garbage gets picked up. Let's say it's Wednesday. So he's taking his green bag out to the curb. Tuesday night, hits the garage door on his way out, thinking he can get under the door. Doesn't do it. Hits him right on the back of the neck. Cracked vertebrae. Oh, yeah. Three I mean, weeks. Those, And then he goes to Chris Phillips' doctor and he's out for six weeks. Oh. So you, basically, you're saying that's going to be a garbage-related injury. It's going to be a garbage-related injury. If it's going get, to happen if, during garbage time. Okay. If he gets run by Brendan Gallagher, does that still count? <laughs> <laughs> Brendan Gallagher is the closing garage door of <laughs> hockey-related injuries, right? It's yeah. just like, I never saw it coming and I can't believe it happened. <laughs> Should we get to Tweetbag? I think we should. Okay. So we put the call out on Twitter for questions that we could answer five games into the season when we know everything there is to know about what's going to happen with the Senator season. Uh, let's start with this. This is a great question. This comes from uh, Mike Wheeler at the Mike Wheeler on Twitter. Or as I call them, wheels. If Ottawa's goalies were dogs, which breeds would they be? And that's a good question, but it's nowhere near as interesting as just asking what breeds are the Ottawa Senators in general. In oh, opinion. wow. This is a strong question to lead off with. I thought we were going to work up to this, but let's talk about goalies first. Mm-hmm. Craig Anderson, mm-hmm. Senator's number one goalie. Hairless. Hairless. He is hairless. Mm-hmm. So I I don't want to limit ourselves to hairless dogs. Really? Because that's where I was was thinking Craig Anderson's very hypoallergenic. Okay, so you were going to go with Craig Anderson as like one of those like albino chihuahuas (laughs) with like pink eyes. Yeah. That is like shaky. All right. No, um, Craig Anderson to me, older guy, needs work, likes to be busy, can be excellent when he's, you know, working regularly. Mm -hmm. Craig Anderson to me is a border collie. Right? Yeah, okay. Then we've got Andrew Hammond. Kind of low-key, calm, just really a safety net, you know? Just like that kind of, just that that calming presence. You don't really, you know, look to carry you, but, you know, it's nice to know that's always there. Andrew Hammond's a cat. (laughs) (laughs) That's not bad. That's not bad. I I, I could see Andrew Hammond as a cat, right? That could work. Uh, Robin Leonard, gone, obviously, but, I mean, he owned... A series of bulldogs, and I think that's a fair comparison. Well, you say that... But Pit bulls, especially. Somebody that can yeah. go absolutely crazy and murder stuff. But also, if you treat him well, is generally a <laughs> polite, well-mannered individual. And also has been banned from Ontario. Yeah, and has been banned from Ontario. Exactly. So Robin Leonard is the pit bull of goalies. Is there any doubt in anyone's mind that Curtis Lazar is a golden retriever? <laughs> <laughs> He's got such a good attitude. He's so happy right? all the time. That's... And you know what? You throw a burger, he'll go get it and bring it back to you. <laughs> Curtis Lazar is a golden retriever. Curtis Lazar is the ultimate happy-to-be-here dog. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I get to sleep inside? This is awesome. 
That's Curtis Lazar. Uh, That's Chris Phillips' house. Or now Mark Stone's house. Chris Neal straight up looks like a bulldog. Yes. So he is a bulldog. That's true. Chris Phillips, a pointer, obviously. (laughs) That took me a second, but you know what? You're absolutely right. J.G. Pajot. I think J.G. Pajot is an Airedale. (laughs) Got the curly hair going. All right, as well. I could go with an Airedale. I could go with any kind of terrier that was bred to hunt rats. Yeah, for right? sure. Like JG Peugeot as like a ratting terrier, like a Karen terrier or a Jack Russell, somebody that basically is meant to dig vermin out of the ground and has a ton of energy and will fight anybody. That is JG Peugeot punching Brendan Gallagher in his face. Wonderful, right? Jared Cowan. Like a big, slobbery, black-haired mess, Jared Cowan is a newfie. He's big, but he's not super... Like, he can be aggressive if you if you rile him up. Mm-hmm. He's just kind of slow to take orders. Mm-hmm. But he's just kind of like a big bull mastiff that you've, like, paid a lot of money for. Because you were like, okay, I'm going to hunt with this guy. That's right. Jared Cowan absolutely has his purebred papers. So he's got his purebred papers... Mm-hmm. And you have basically got him because you're going to go out hunting in the Scottish countryside. And then the first time he hears a shotgun blast, he's terrified. (laughs) And you're like, oh, this is not good. Mm -hmm. I can't believe I paid this much money for this dog. And he's like quivering behind your Land Rover because you've just fired off your like $200,000 like Christie's auction house shotgun. I'm getting a little specific. I apologize. But my point is, that's that dog. He's this big hunting dog that is now scared of guns. In reality, it was, you know, your nephew who went out and got you that dog. And now he's gone out and he's got his own hunting kennel. And all anyone can talk about is how amazing your nephew's hunting kennel is compared to yours. That's right. Even though he was the one who saddled you with, you know, this big hunting dog that's useless. Your nephew got you that dog. And he also got you another big blonde bird dog that you have now sent to a kennel in upstate New York. Yes. That's right. Literally, that's actually what happened. Thanks, Tim. Clark MacArthur. His breed is not important because... Clark MacArthur's a rescue dog. That's right. You know what? That's absolutely right. And Clark MacArthur is one of those dogs where you see him in a bad situation. You take him in. You give him a little love. You change his life. But more importantly, he changes your life. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like it's him teaching me. Sometimes I feel like it's him teaching me. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Get well soon, Clark MacArthur. All right. Next question comes from Mike at GoSendsGo101, my favorite course in college. He asks, is Hoffman Tourist Stone the best line in the league or simply the best line in the conference? I mean, so far, I think you'd have to say it's the best line in the league. They right? are very good. They're very good. We have to change the name, though. HST yeah. doesn't work. Right. So You can't call it SHT, because that looks like a dirty word. It does. I like Hoffman, Turris, Stone, because they're kind of like the Avengers, in the way they all perfectly complement each other and fit together. And there's very little female representation. <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, Hoffman, Turris, Stone, you could call it the Hats line, or the Hots line, or the Hits line. Oh, well, there we go. It's the Hits line. There you go. Yeah, done. Ottawa Ottawa's greatest hits. Easy. Yeah. Next question. Samantha Marples at PNG Sens fan wants to know, will Cowan ever cut his hair? And I believe we also had another Senator's hair question. Stephen Higgum, who wanted to know, without Carlson's flow, who leads the team in hairstyle ranking? So let's use this as an excuse to talk about hair generally. Right. Because as you know, we did predict on the last podcast, 100% successfully, that Eric Carlson was going to cut his hair. So now, where are we senators hair-wise? What is going to be the new tonsorial development 
with the Ottawa Senators. You know, Eric Carlson cut his hair, and then also Mika Zibanejad cut his hair. Can we talk about this? Yes. I need to talk about this. Okay. You have, Mika you Zibanejad announced on Twitter that he was cutting his hair. And he was like, oh, big news, cutting my hair. But he also, I want to say, did exactly the same thing last year. I believe he had long hair and a beard, and then he cut it off. And he looked like he was 18 again because he's like 22. <laughs> and he cut his beard and his hair. And it was like, oh, my God, Mika Zibanejad looks so young again. And then he had the summer off. He went to Ibiza. He grew his beard. He grew his hair. He comes back. He's like this wild, woolly Swede. And then he cuts it again. And we're all like, oh, my God, he got his flow. Let's talk about what let's talk about the real issue here, which is that Mika Zibanejad is not somebody who is managing his flow as much as he is someone who decides to get a haircut once a year. Right. Like the rest it's, of it's, us it's, get it's, a haircut it, every month, every mm-hmm. six weeks. Mika Zibanejad is just like, I'm too lazy to get my haircut more than once a year. I don't think it's a conscious decision beyond that. Yeah, it's not. That's the thing. That's the the artist is one who can do more but doesn't. Exactly. And Mika Zibanejad is just doing whatever. Like he's, he's not making a conscious decision, right? Can we also talk about how Mika Zibanejad's <laughs> Twitter avatar is a logo of his own name? <laughs> that's kind of lame, right? Like you're not Tiesto. Dude. <laughs> to bring it back to the hair question, sure. Mark Mathot seems to be hanging in there. Mark Mathot is hanging in there. That's true. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. He can do what he wants. Jared Cowan. A lot of people are saying, oh, Jared Cowan looks terrible. Jared Cowan knows he looks terrible, right? I always like it when there's someone whose style or appearance is like so out of whack compared to what we're used to that you know that's an intentional choice. He's like, this person is confronting you with his own ugliness, if you yeah, will. I think you that's know? right. I appreciate that. I like it when someone takes me out of you know my own comfort zone and you know makes me realize that there are other people in this world that sometimes you have to deal with that is the true nature of art yes and that's what jared cowan's doing from mike little at j mike little which song from the rush discography should the sends use for the start of the power play this is a fascinating question because as much as i love rush which i do they are objectively a terrible band. How would you try to sell Rush to someone? You would say, well, first of all, you take the warm-hearted and tender philosophies of Ayn Rand's objectivist political you know, opinions, and then you combine that with the catchiness and accessibility of a 7-4 time signature, and then make the lyrics sung by someone who sounds like Freddie Mercury on Helium. So, One look, of Canada's greatest bands right there. I love your muso hot take on Rush in 2015. <laughs> Like you're coming at this with anything original. But I just want to point out to you, you have a Senator's podcast. Yes. You're hating on Rush. Like there's no overlap no, no, between no. those two audiences. I do love Rush, but they're you objectively lo- bad. They are these they are the Senegoth jersey of bands. Like <laughs> I like them, but I can't defend that. Here's why I like that question though. Okay. Because all of Rush's lyrics are written by their drummer, Neil Peart. <laughs> And, like, what better to associate with the Sens power play than Neil Peart? Because Chris Neal is the Senator's power play specialist. So, in a way, Mike Little has kind of tied those two ideas together. And so, 
and said Neil Peart, Chris Neal, Senator's Power Play, Rush songs. Exactly. It's put them together. What do you got? It's a before and after category in Jeopardy. Exactly. There, there is a song by Rush called "The Trees," and the plot of this song is the oaks and maples are fighting because the oaks get more sunlight. But the oaks figure, what's wrong with that? We were just born that way. And then the song ends with the maples creating a union, which causes the forest to be cut down. You know a lot about Rush. That is a real Rush song. We just can I? All right. So let's just get right to it. The only Rush song that I could think of that in, that to me reminded me of the Senator's Power Play was the Cygnus X1 Suite. Which, the whole thing. Which closes 1977's A Farewell to Arms mm-hmm. and opens 1978's Hemispheres. Right? It's a song so good it had to carry over from one album to another. And the reason why it reminds me of the Senator's Power Play is because it's about an experimental space pilot that flies into a black hole. So basically what you're saying is that this song is all about the zone entries. Right. It's all about Chris Neal Peart on the Power Play just wasting chances. No, he flies into a black hole... And then he ends up in ancient Greece, because that's what happens in a Rush song. (laughs) And he sees Apollo and Dionysus fighting with each other about logic versus emotion. As one does. And then he says, gentlemen, you can have balance between logic and emotion, because this is a Rush song. We're objectivists. (laughs) And they say, you are now Cygnus, the god of balance. And that is the end of the Rush song. And it only took 25 minutes to get there. But my (laughs) point... Moving backward, I just associate the Senator's Power Play with the black hole part of that song. So Cygnus X1 is my choice. I wasn't even going that far. I was thinking, what's a song with a catchy hook and a riff I like? So Spirit of the Radio. There you go. If the Senator, like, oh, that's a fun song. Just Spirit of the Radio, every time there's a power play, make it happen, Senator's DJ. I love it. <laughs> Pitt Linden at Phil Linden 17 wants to know, who has more points this season, Chris Neal or Andrew Hammond? What I like about this question is that it just proves that Andrew Hammond is like the ultimate prop bet. Because nobody knows what the hell is going to happen with Andrew Hammond. I'm going to sidestep this question slightly, and I'm going to offer a hot take. Are you ready? Chris Neal will not only have a point before Andrew Hammond. Chris Neal will have a goal before Eric Carlson. Wow. You want to take the other side of that? Yes, I do. Eric Carlson has zero goals and seven assists. Eric Carlson is still looking for his first goal. He is. Chris Neal will score a goal before Eric Carlson. I'm going to put that on the podcast. That's a bold That's a bold statement. I will take the other side just because I have seen Eric Carlson shoot the puck this season, and I can't say I've seen the same from Chris Neal. Have you not seen for 12 years the Chris Neal garbage goal? Like, screaming course, the like, goalie, usually, deflecting it off his own nose? <laughs> usually you have to wait until, like, mid-January for that. But. Chris Neal just needs to be in front of the net. He needs to take a puck off his cup. I, again, it Chris, will happen. Chris Neal was looking sharp in training camp. Right? Like He He's was 10 he, pounds lighter. He was taken... He was a snipe show against Andrew Hammond. Right. Like, he was coming in on the rush and just picking corners. I remember who... Like, I was like, whose hands are those? And it was Chris Neal's. So, we're all about bold predictions on the podcast. Chris Neal will not only have a point before Andrew Hammond, he will have a goal before Eric Carlson. I'm going to put it down. Okay, well, I think that'll do it for the mailbag. Thank you very much for sending your questions in. It's really you, the listeners, that make this podcast a rich experience. It's true. We used to just do this podcast by ourselves into a tunnel. So thank you very much for uh, listening. Thank you very much for your interest. We'll catch you soon, folks. Peace out. See you later. Whoa, 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 whoa.
hours for a couple of fellers who both still live with their moms. Breaking the town's local hockey team down with some microphones on. No other podcast was finer. Or was more of a hit with the big rig diners. We never thought they'd make it past episode five. Whoa, somehow these dudes named Chet and Paris are alive. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Question from uh, James and welcome to your Carlson News. Why do birds suddenly appear every time you're near? I keep bird seed in my pocket, actually. There you go. So, And uh, the chickadees come and they eat out of my hand. I feel very at home with birds. You know, I always wondered when I met you why you smelled like beef tallow and peanut butter. Mm-hmm. And now I know it's because your pants are full of suet. Yeah, you render the fat... And then the fat is good for the birds because it's a very it's a, like very high energy source, and they need that in the winter. There you go. So the other thing you can do is actually if you buy a coconut, sure, you cut it open, mm-hmm. and then you pour out the milk, and then you put the seeds in the coconut, and then the birds can come in and they can eat the actual coconut meat, which is good for them. But they also get the seeds as well. If you want to want to kind of give the birds a little taste of the Caribbean there. It's a hot tip. <laughs> that might be the cold outro. <laughs> 